0: Well, um, the last two weeks we started a brand new series called Simple, Decluttering Faith. And I hope the last two weeks has helped you. The very first week we talked about kind of what is the Bible, why do we read it the way we do, how should we read the Bible. If you haven't watched that, make sure you go back and watch it. It kind of lays a foundation for the rest of what we're doing. Last week we talked about what is the gospel, what is the good news, and why does that matter to us. Today, we're going to get in... Uh, And we're going to talk about week three of decluttering faith, and we're going to talk about salvation. We're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about ultimately what is salvation for you and I. So, we're going to simplify this, we're going to declutter it, we're going to try to get rid of all the gobbledygook, right, Uh, that kind of goes along with faith, because faith can be very, very complicated at times. So, uh, I said this last week, I want to say it to you again. Whenever we're talking about these things, religion has a way of creeping in. And I'm talking about bad religion, okay? Please don't equate Jesus and religion as the same thing. Jesus is a person. Religion is a man-made attempt to find God, okay? Jesus is a person, but religion is a man-made way of trying to be God or trying to find God. Let me say it to you like this. Religion always complicates what God is simplifying religion always adds to what God has subtracted from. I know I should end on a preposition, but it kind of goes better that way. So this is what religion does to us. So we're going to talk about it uh, today. Um, but you know, I use this example many, many times. I used it last week. I want to do it again. Every single person that I know has one of these attached to their brain. What do you mean, Matt? Well, uh, and as I said last week, if people are scrolling through Facebook and they were to see this, they would think, what's this guy got on his head? Well, it's a filter because every one of us has a filter through which we view life, we, we view faith, we view family, we view marriage, parenting, et cetera, right? The big issue for many of us is, is that we have a filter put on the Bible. What is that filter from? Well, it could be a denominational filter. It could be a filter from abuse by a spiritual leader. It could be a filter um, from the way our mom, or grandmother taught us what the Bible says. You know, I remember one time quoting in front of a preacher. You know, the Bible says cleanliness is next to Godliness. He said, dude, that's not in the Bible. And I think he said Benjamin Franklin said that. But because my grandmother had told me that, I believed that it was in the Bible. Why? Because I had a filter on. So today, what I'm gonna ask you to do Could you maybe take your filter concerning salvation, because this is going to really, really stretch you and push you today. And I mean a lot, okay? I want you to try to take your filter, and I want you to set this aside. Set it aside for just a moment, and just allow some new information to enter your mind, enter your heart about what salvation or a salvific experience is with Jesus, okay? So we're going to get right into it. Now... First, I want to tell you that salvation is not escaping hell. Shocking, right? In fact, when Jesus would talk to one man named Nicodemus, Jesus would say the term born again that we also parallel with being saved, which I find it very interesting that Jesus didn't say that to a sinner. He said it to a preacher, I think if the preachers get it wrong we're all messed up right? So he said it to a preacher that you must be born again and notice what he said about that he didn't say so that you would go to heaven he didn't say so that you would escape hell he didn't say so you would never have trials and tribulation he didn't say so you could be very rich you know what he said so that you can see the kingdom of heaven it's viewing something differently than you've ever viewed before than you've ever known before. So this born-again, this salvific, this salvation experience is not trying to go there or trying to escape there. You know what I mean by that, right? But it's seeing something here. It's experiencing something here on earth as it is in heaven, right? Now, so salvation is not just trying to escape hell. It's much, much more than that. But let's first... One thing I like to do is I like, I like the Bible to translate itself, to interpret itself. So we're going to look up the word salvation and we're going to get a little geeky here and we're going to go to the Greek. Okay? The word salvation in the Greek is the word sozo. Okay? Now this verb, and it is a verb, meaning it is action. It is not a noun. It is a verb. You hear me? Action, motion, forward, Right? Sozo is used 110 times in the Bible. So that means about once on every three pages out of 350 roundabout pages of the New Testament. Did you get that? About once every three pages, this progressive, forward-looking word is used to describe salvation. Now... The word salvation, or save, so-so, the other word salvation is soteria. Soteria. It's where we get the word soteriology, meaning the study of any word. The, you, know, you know the ology, mythology, uh, uh, any kind of ology, sociology, right? Uh, any kind of ology is a study of something, right? So soteriology is the study of salvation. So soteria, and it literally means... To rescue, to bring to safety, physically or morally, to deliver, give health, salvation, save, saving. Now, I need you to see what just happened there, okay? Deliverance, health, salvation, save, saving. I find it interesting that it uses five terms in the Greek to discover salvation because five is also the number of grace in the bible okay but i'm trying to simplify this so we won't go there that'll be for another day now notice the last three are basically the same word in different tenses in different ways of writing it salvation save saving past present future it's an active motion forward motion backwards, word, it's active, it's moving laterally in our lives, parallel to our lives, entwined in our lives to give us something that we could not give ourselves. So let's read in the scriptures about this, because there is a phrase about the word salvation that we hear often, and it's the phrase, shall be saved. We'll get there in just a moment, okay? Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Romans chapter 5, and I'm reading out of the ESV, English Standard Version. 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time. Now that right there is such good preaching, at the right time. But I'm trying to simplify this. So we'll talk about at the right time another day, okay? At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his... Are you still with me? Don't hang... Listen, don't, don't don't go anywhere now. Because this is... I need you to hang with me here. You, we might be tuning out on the scriptures. Hang tight, okay? Let's go back, starting in verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more... <laughs> much... Now watch this phrasing keep unfolding. Much more... Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved? There's a second time that is, by this life. More than that, now we're into the more language again. So we've got shall be and much more, shall be more than that. We also rejoice in God, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Now, here we go. So, Remember the filter I held up a moment ago, right? I want you to push that aside for just a moment, and I want you to think about something about this passage. Number one, I want everyone to type in the comments below, context, context. Type it in real quick. You've heard me say this a lot of times, particularly if you are an in-person service, which you are actually in person right now at Dixon Athletic Club having church while we're talking here. But you've heard me say this many times. Context over content. If you read parts of the Bible, you will think the Bible justifies slavery without context. If you read and pull parts of the Bible, you will think the Bible uh, promotes suppression of women. Context over content. You've got to have context. To whom was he writing? Why was he writing it? uh, What was going on in that moment? So that's why I want to make sure that we're understanding who the writer is writing to, okay? So context over content every time. So if you heard your whole life, I wanna give you a very practical example, okay? If you heard your whole life that the sky is black, I mean your whole life, and I mean you're 50 years old and you heard the sky is black and nobody's ever told you that the sky is actually blue. If I were to come to you and tell you the sky is blue, you would say you're crazy, why? Because you've heard your whole life that the sky is black. Why? the filter. So, I want to tell you today that the sky may be black, okay? Or the sky may be blue, rather. I want to tell you that the sky may be blue, but we believed it to be another color, that we believed it to be something different in regards to the word salvation. All right? I'm going to push, push, push here, okay? Remember, the phrase, shall be saved. We read it in Romans 5. The most famous passage, second famous passage that preachers preach all over the world, Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him to death, you shall be saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. Now again, I'm trying to simplify it. But in order to do that, I need to give you real content and context. Okay, so hang with me. The reason we have to unpack what the original Greek language says is because it changes the entire meaning. "You shall be saved" is what you call a future arist tense in the Greek. You can do. I don't even know what that means. You don't have to right now. We're, I'm going to teach you what it means. Okay. It's the word sozeisthane. It comes from sozo or soteria, sozeisthane, okay? And that word sozeisthane is future aorist tense. So what does that mean? I'm so glad you asked me, okay? Watch this. Future means exactly what it sounds like in the future. Aorist, we don't have a terminology for that in the English language. But in the Greek language, aorist meant one time in a moment in the past. Future heiress tense. So when he says, you shall call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved, you know what he was saying? Not only did I do it on the cross for you, but I've also secured it in your future. See, my friend, salvation is not something you pray a prayer about. Salvation is something you experience as a free gift from God. Salvation is not something that I just say because some preacher told me to lift my hand and pray a prayer. No, in fact, salvation is something that's already provided for you, past, present, and future. And let me, let me bring up that past, present, and future thing because, you know, we will say that. We will say, I believe my sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, but yet we live in complete condemnation. So I'm wondering, do we believe in the salvation that was actually provided for us Or do we just repeat some lingo that we heard a preacher say? Because if we really believed that past, present, and future, we are forgiven and cleansed, then we would live free because of it. But somewhere along the way, we've heard enough condemnation preaching, enough judgment preaching, another turn or burn, fly or fry preaching. We've heard enough of, I know that you're saved, but now go do X, Y, Z. In order to keep that salvation, that we honestly think that we have something to add to the finished work of Jesus. When Jesus said in John nineteen thirty, "It is finished," that's exactly what he means. It is finished. It is done. It is over. The debt is settled. It is paid. Past, present, future. That is what salvation is. You go, Matt. I've heard this my whole life. I need you to let it go from your head to your heart and then start living free as though it went to your heart I mean I have people that's been saved 20 years 30 years still say to me I just don't know why I feel so condemned all the time it's because we haven't believed the good news from last week remember we haven't believed that his salvation for you and I was enough now let's keep going Romans 10, 13 says this phrase again. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, now I want to give you some good information. More than any other form of the word for saved in the New Testament is that aorist tense, that weird version, right? Future aorist tense. Fifty-seven times he uses the term shall be saved in regards to our salvation through Jesus Christ. Fifty-seven times. I really only needed him to tell me once because it's Jesus, but he chose and Paul's writings would choose to unpack. Paul's writings to the church would choose to unpack this shall be saved narrative that you and I get to live in today. So what am I saying here? Well, number one, if it's past, present and future, none of it depends on you. It's already done. And you can't do a thing about that. <laughs> somebody, somebody say below, it's already done. Or just type in the word done. Come on, give it to me, done. And you can't do a thing about it. Now, I often hear people say, well, I do believe that all my sins again are washed away, past, present, and future. Okay, great, now go live that way. Go live condemnation free. Now, I know our mind has to be renewed. I know we have to work those things out but I need to let this idea, not this idea. I need to I need you to let this reality of what Christ has done for you sink from your head to your heart. As again I told you last week, you are as righteous today as you will be when you get to heaven. Again, not because of what you've done, but because of what he has already done for you. Now, but Matt, and this is the pushback that I get. You've heard it, you might even felt this way before, okay? But Matt, what if I turn my back on God? Well, according to Romans 3, we've actually already done that. Every person here. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all at some point turned our back on God. Actively turned our back on God. But hear me, contrary to some legalistic, jacked up theology, God has not turned His back on you. Why? Because His Son died as you, not just for you. Your flesh is dead to God. Your spirit is alive to him. So look, my friend, in our backslidings, even the Old Testament would say, and I believe it's Malachi would say, that God is married to the backslider. He's married to us because of his son. Jesus. So for those of you who feel like, man, I've turned my back on God, it's okay. He's never turned his back on you. And he's saying, don't you know that I've eternally placed you into my hands and there's not one thing you can do about it. So my friend, I'm asking you, will you rest in that? Will you rest in that reality? I often say it like this when I'm in church with other people. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them, chill. Just chill out. He's got you. It was set up from the beginning anyway. He's got you. So, let me say it this way. You are a sinner because of what you do. This is before Jesus, of course. We are sinners because of what we do. You are a sinner because we were born into sin, right? but because of Jesus' ability to make you born again, you, because of him, are now holy and righteous. Not because you behave, but because you believe. Now, I cannot make you accept that truth. Again, I just hope it soon drops from your head to your heart. It's not my behavior It is my belief. And here's what I can tell you about believing. When I start believing right, it's weird how behavior starts to follow. We're concerned about the outward, but the Bible says the outward man perishes. But the inward man is renewed day to day. So my friend, I want to simplify salvation for you today and tell you, you don't have anything to do with it. Just believe that it's already done. And go be free. Be free from any worry of wrath or judgment. You go, but Matt, aren't Christians going to be judged? The Bible says we're judged by our works. Not our works for salvation, but our works because we are saved. Did you get that? I'm not judged based on my work to be saved. I'm judged based on my works for salvation, and that judgment is not about hell or heaven. That judgment is about reward. It's to make an evaluation of, not to pronounce some awful curse on your life. I would love to enter into a more complete dialogue about this. with you. So how do we do that? You can leave a comment below, and I'll reply. I personally will reply. Or our online campus pastor, Lindsay Sensing, will reply. She and I will dialogue about those things and we can reply to you. You can email me matt at thetablechurch.cc I would love to hear from you. Uh, You can even email Lindsay, Lindsay at thetablechurch.cc She would love to hear from you. I want there to come in this world of nonsense in this world where it feels like it's all falling apart around us. I want you to come to this reality that it's a fixed fight that you are good to go Just believe Jesus. Just believe his words. And my friend, past, present, and future, you're covered. You're washed clean. In fact, today, you know what I would love to do? I would love for you to come to a believing in Jesus. I can't make you do that. In fact, I can't even lead you in a prayer that makes you do that because I mean I can say repeat after me some sinner's prayer that's invented in the, you know, not even in the Bible right it's just something we invented to I guess get people to try to believe on Jesus that's something that I want you to ask God to help you do God will you just help me come to a believing in your son Jesus and you go I don't know how to pray that well just, just pray that there's no formula here I mean we believe in a lot of things in this world you know, we have people that believe in UFOs. You can believe on Jesus, right? We, we, have, we have people that believe that their dogs talk to them. You can believe on Jesus. And if you're one of those people who believe that your dog talks to you, I want you to accept Jesus now. And you know I'm cutting up on you, right? But this is how important this is. Is that Jesus alone is enough my life and your life and it's all good let me pray for you today before we go okay Lord I thank you for providing so much for us thank you for saving us to the uttermost and when at my, and when I am at my worst you remind me that you have made me at my best that you have saved me to my best Help us to have an experience with your salvific work, if I can say it that way, Lord. That we can know you better, that we can trust that all is finalized through you, in Jesus' name, amen. And I will see you next Sunday, bye-bye.